This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart. And I'm Trader Nick. Welcome back to the Market Insights, Market Pulse podcast. And today we're joined by Oanda Senior Market Analyst Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon, everyone. Of course, it is the first Friday of the month, and that can only mean one thing. It's non-farm payroll day in the US, and the figures are very interesting indeed. Job creation remaining robust last month. That's despite rising prices and a sharp spike in borrowing costs. Employers adding 339 thousand jobs. These numbers, Nick, they are beyond expectations, aren't they? They are. And uh, it's an interesting report today because uh, despite what we see a tick up in the number of jobs created, we have some other data surrounding it. Of course, NFP, as you mentioned, first Friday of the month, uh, most months. And, you know, with that, we get the employment change, but we also get a couple other key figures. For example, average hourly earnings, which today came out as expected at 0.3% month over month. And then, of course, we also have the unemployment rate, which throws kind of a pin in it in terms of today's report. Because as you mentioned, we did have 339,000 jobs created compared to the 193,000, which were roughly forecasted. Uh, But at the same time, unemployment rate ticked up by 0.3% up to 3.7%. Now, of course, this is still at historically very low levels of an unemployment rate. But again, it takes a little bit of the fire out of the, the jobs numbers that were created. Because again, if you have a tick up in unemployment, at the same time, you do have some uh, some new jobs being created. It makes for a kind of an interesting report. Uh, in terms of reactions, we saw the dollar spike up initially and give back, at least at the time of recording this, almost all of its gains on the day. Uh, kind of an interesting turn of events there. And I would suspect, of course, that this is the uh, kind of uh, give and take that we got from the unemployment rate ticking up while the jobs number uh, created also took up as well. I'd love to get Craig's thoughts on this. What are your take on the numbers here today, Craig? Of course, with uh, kind of some conflicting back and forth data on this jobs number today. Yeah, I think there's something for everyone, to be honest, uh, in, a, in a weird way, because if you're a dove, you can point to the unemployment rate and you can say wage growth was still quite modest. And in fact, because of that revision to the wage growth number last month, down from 0.5% to 0.4%, the annualized wage growth number was actually 4.3%. So that's actually slightly below the consensus of 4.4%. So you can point to those two pieces of data and say that does suggest there is some additional slack in the labor market despite the headline payrolls number but then if you're more of the hawkish persuasion then those payrolls are really damning because 339,000 that's not just a slight beat we're talking about almost double effectively what the payrolls were expected to be and then when you add on to that the 41,000 upgrade to the previous number so the previous one was 253 it was revised up to 294 this is not an economy that's showing signs of cooling Um, and it kind of maybe just highlights then maybe the different methodologies which comes with uh, these components of the jobs report uh, and trying to uh, apply logic to which is almost the more important factor but from my perspective I look at it and I say if you're the Federal Reserve are you confidently saying now that the heat is moving out of the labour market and the economy are you confidently saying that this is showing enough signal that we are moving back to 2% on inflation at a time when the inflation data itself has proven more stubborn, the economic data itself has proven more resilient. Is there enough in this jobs report to really convince them to pause 
and I'm not necessarily sure it has everything they need. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's policymakers now, and there's clearly a degree of separation there. We've heard commentary, some suggesting multiple more rate hikes in Eden. We've heard others this last week suggesting that they can afford to pause and then wait until the next meeting. So there's clearly a difference of opinion. But I'm just wondering, is there enough in this report when you take it against the context of everything else to suggest that there's a good reason to not raise rates by another 25 basis points in two weeks' time? I think it's interesting too that I was gonna. That was kind of where we're uh, focused on next is, of course, how this jobs uh, data, if at all, really impacts the upcoming June 14th meeting, which is, of course, where the Federal Reserve will make its next decision as to whether or not to pause rates uh, from going higher or to rate hike by another 25 basis points. And it's interesting you pointed out, Craig, it's a very, very controversial, it's like bringing up politics at your family dinner. Like it is super, super heated on both sides. You've got people who think more rate hikes are, are necessary to get this under control. And then you've got, of course, um, the other side of the camp, which is, as you mentioned, we can afford to pause. Um, you know, it, it, one thing that's kind of been interesting is is watching the FedWatch tool kind of bounce around. We've seen uh, the the forecasts uh, earlier this week even were at some points peaking up into the 70% probability that we would see a further rate hike in the June meeting. Whereas now we've seen it jostle around. Uh, at one point, it even flipped this week to only 30% that, that probability or forecast for a rate hike. And now somewhere in the middle, I think we're at like 60-40 the last time I checked, but it again is, of course, uh, adjusting uh, uh, pretty quickly. Uh, again, especially on a day like today, where we get jobs numbers, which, as you mentioned, it's hard to deny. If you're if you're in the position of the Federal Reserve, uh, the jobs market is not under serious pressure to the point that it's a clear let's pause. And this is why I think in these times it makes for very interesting, uh, you know, conversation around these. And, and markets can be very very fun to watch. I think in these times because you get sudden uh, winners and losers, whereas it's not so obvious as to what is going to likely uh, happen next in the June meeting. Yeah, I, I agree. These FedWatch tools are really useful in determining how markets are positioning and how they're perceiving the data. The one time when I don't actually find them that useful is always in the immediate aftermath of the data because I think they take some time to update and therefore what you're seeing between the data and maybe an hour or two later is not particularly reliable. I mean, the platform that I use, which I won't name, just to highlight this, it's barely moved from 70-30. So prior to the data, it was 70% of a hold and 30% chance of a hike. And that's basically not changed. And for me, that doesn't reflect anything about what the markets are saying. I think in the immediate aftermath of these releases, the best thing we can look to is, say, bond yields. And if we look at the US two-year at this point, it's moved up from around 4.35% prior to the release it peaked at around 4.46 and it's now sitting around 4.4 so we're around we're around five basis points above where we were prior to the release that suggests that the markets are factoring in additional tightening of some kind uh, across the curve whether that is an extra rate hike at this meeting or an increased possibility of a rate hike at this meeting or whether they're pricing in a prolonged period of higher rates and a slower than uh, period of, uh, of rate cuts thereafter that kind of becomes more clear in the Fed probability tools when you do see these updates in a kind of reliable fashion. But I do think that what we're effectively seeing right now is the markets are pricing in a slightly more hawkish Fed in one form or another. The dollar's been very volatile in the aftermath of this. And actually, as you say, it's kind of given back most of its gains. But that's why I think the bond market is always more uh, interesting and maybe a more reliable indicator of purely what this means uh, for interest rates because 
the dollar has to take in a lot of different information. They have to take in the information of not just where our interest rates going, but what's going to be the economic damage and what's this ultimately going to mean for the economy down the road. I mean, there's a big difference between raising interest rates higher and holding them there till you crash the economy and then having to cut them really fast. Like that's going to be reflected differently in the dollar compared to bond yields, for example. And yes, yeah, so I, th- I find it quite interesting that the bond, what the bond market's telling us right now. And I'm sure the Fed probability tools will probably update over the next couple of hours. And I really wouldn't be surprised if we are seeing more 60-40 in favor of a hike than a hold. Craig, I found that exceptionally thought-provoking, the point that you made there compared to the dollar and the yields there. Because again, as you mentioned, uh, well, as we've been watching throughout this podcast, the dollar uh, has given back its gains. However, as you mentioned, the two-year is up on the day pretty substantially. And as you mentioned, even with uh, that prolonged, even if, if rates are higher for longer kind of concept, the yields market uh, is factoring that in. So while the dollar has has basically traded flat here today, uh, given back all of the gains that it short-term had, the yields market is uh, pricing in that kind of uh, higher for longer potential that that tightening uh, you know uh, narrative from the Fed could be here for a little bit longer. So it's very, very interesting to watch those uh, divergences there in the two. Another interesting bit of data to note, guys, is the recovery of oil this week. On Wednesday, it hit the low, Brent crude that is, the low of around about 72, I think it was. And today it's up to $76 a barrel. Quite a recovery. What's behind that? So it's actually been a really volatile week or so for oil prices. And this has, some people try to attribute it to the debt ceiling, the fact that we've got a deal, the fact that it's now gone through Congress. I mean, I've been a very big skeptic of the debt ceiling as a as a thing, to be honest, because I feel like it's political theatre as opposed to a serious uh, risk uh, to the economy and markets. I mean, can you imagine policymakers actually deciding to allow the country to default on its debt, especially at this time? But so there has been the suggestion that we may be seeing all react more to the debt ceiling. To be honest, I think it's just reacting mostly, if not entirely, to the OPEC Plus uh, meeting this weekend. So they meet on Sunday. Now, obviously, the interesting thing about that is the market's not open on Sunday. The last time it met, it cut a million barrels a day. And that was uh, not in line with expectations. And the market gapped higher as a result. This week, we've had a lot of commentary. We've had commentary from the Saudi energy minister, very choice words. He warned short speculators to watch out. Uh, he said that they uh, there would be more ouchies, I think was the choice of words uh, for short speculators if they're effectively not careful. And uh, initially that got a bit of a response in the oil price. It saw the oil price spike. People took that as a sign that there may be a production cut. Then about 24 hours later, we heard from Russian Energy Minister and Deputy Prime Minister Novak, and he, he he suggested that there would be no cut, and there's been other kind of sources that have suggested there'll be no cut. So conflicting reports, which has created a lot of volatility, and on the back of the, the, the Novak comments, we actually did see all drift back towards that kind of 70 to $72 a barrel in Brent. Now, I think the reason why we've seen that pop back up is that that weekend factor, when the markets are closed, if you're going to get a surprise cut, and 
the whole point of what the Saudi energy minister is saying is they want to surprise. He wants this to be painful when that happens. Maybe what we're seeing is effectively just a bit of a, uh, a, a move away from this kind of speculation just in case they do announce a cut because the market's closed when it happens. And uh, maybe we're just seeing positioning on the basis of kind of de-risking, as it were, as opposed to suddenly being much more bullish on the uh, price of oil. And in other news in terms of next week, uh, of course, we will be here Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with episodes for you guys in relation to some of the upcoming events. We have uh, ISM Services PMI. So, of course, this week we had manufacturing. Uh, on Monday, we get ISM Services PMI. Uh, we'll get a look at the services uh, area. In terms of Australia, we also have the rate statement uh, on Tuesday. This should give us an insight as to whether or not uh, you know they're going to hold at forecast at 3.85% is the forecast there. Uh, in terms of uh, also on Tuesday for more Australian news, we have um, Governor Lowe speaking and on GDP numbers, we'll get that towards the end of the day. Uh, in terms of Canada, we shift on the other side of the globe. We've got the Bank of Canada's rate statement as well. Uh, overnight rate is expected to stay at 4.5%. We'll, of course, be watching for any surprises there, followed by the usual unemployment claims on Thursday and ending out the week with CAD unemployment numbers. As you'll note, we missed it this week. Sometimes they're coupled at the same time with NFP. Not this time around. We've got Canada uh, unemployment numbers coming out on Friday of next week, June 9th. Well, thanks, Nick. Uh, fascinating stuff. Let's uh, talk again uh, next week. And both of you have great weekends. Thanks, Johnny. You too. Thank you. You too. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.